Welcome to Eat Scripture. This is Eric Robinson and Gina Robinson. We are going to talk today about Zechariah chapter 11. This chapter is super interesting, really has something to say to us as we're looking at it from the Jesus perspective. And a matter of fact, that is the perspective I think we would want to take on this. Now, this is mine and your bent all the time, Gina, on how we look yes. at scripture. Well, if we don't, if we just look at it, you know, historical, critical, trying to figure out all the pieces and mm-hmm. trying to make sure we know who all the players are and all of that, then I think we become just critical. Right. It's it's yeah. just, and we can't ever get to the answer, so it becomes frustrating. Um, whereas if we step back and read it, this is apocalyptic literature. Right. Um, and if we step back and look at it through the lens of Jesus, it suddenly starts to fall into place and yes. make sense. Mm-hmm. If you go read chapter 11 of Zechariah right now, if you're like me, you're just going to come out going, "Ugh, I don't even know what this is talking about. Say. And it's uh, dark. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it's right. really hard to understand. Right. But if we try to look at it through the lens of Jesus, it suddenly comes to life. Yeah. All of a sudden, there are some pieces uh, falling into right. place. And that's where we really are coming to in our interpretation is this idea that you can't truly understand what's there without him. And this type of literature is meant to prophetic literature. Yeah. In essence is really can't be fully understood. Right. Until the prophecy comes to to pass. Right. And so then you look back and you're able to understand it more. Mm -hmm. So that's really it it makes sense. Yes. That Correct. This makes more sense. All of a sudden, it in makes light sense. of Jesus. Yes, because if He's the ultimate fulfillment, then finally you can look at it and go, "Okay, I, that, now that all of a sudden I can understand." If that's really what we're pointing to, then this all of a sudden makes sense. And I think the apostles would have brought that very mindset I with them. They I, think I think once that's they, why they are wrote looking, the way they did. yeah, absolutely, because they're going to take a quote out of this very chapter that is sounds exactly like what's happening to Jesus and lay it in the Gospels and Matthew's going to say clearly this was being fulfilled in Jesus. And so now all of a sudden I read the whole chapter, not just a quote, but I read the whole chapter and I go, oh, yes, I totally see why Matthew would have taken that quote because the whole chapter seems to be screaming about the good shepherd and yes. what he came to do and how he gets rejected and all of that. So right. we'll, we'll discuss that as we go through. But like you're saying, if we stick to the hor- his or- historical critical interpretation alone, what we're going to wind up doing is being in debates until the end of time. You're going to have a COVID because there's, the rest of your life. Yeah, there's <laughs> no way to get at the truest historical setting behind this text. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get there. And, and it's pro- that is proven by countless commentaries that have already been written 
on this text. And we've got so many different postulations for what this part might mean or who this part might be referencing to. And they're, and they all have some validity. It's like, well, yeah, I I mean, it's interesting to read, but you come to the end of it and you're just like weighed down. I feel like, yeah, even in these first three verses, the amount of mixed metaphors and yeah, it's just like, well, what in the world are we talking about here <laughs> yeah. now? But if we take Jesus to the text, like he says in Luke chapter 24, 27, that, uh, that everything is about him, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we're able to make sense of this. Right. Which, which It's makes like it a door has opened that we didn't know was there. Yes. And right. now we can see. So. Yep. So let's start reading uh, chapter 11, verse 1. We'll read through this whole chapter and then we'll talk about it a little bit okay okay um open the doors O lebanon that the fire may devour your cedars wail O cypress for the cedars had have i'm sorry for the cedar has fallen for the glorious trees are ruined wail oaks of bashan for the thick forest has been felled the sound of the wail of the shepherds for their glory is ruined the sound of the roar of the lions for the thicket of the Jordan is ruined. Thus says the Lord my God, Behold, become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor, and each into the hand of his king, and they shall crush the land. And I will deliver none. I will deliver none from their hand. So I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. And I took two staffs, one I named Favor, the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds. But I became impatient with them, and they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favor, and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages thirty pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff, Union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd, for behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed, or seek the young, or heal the maimed, or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hooves. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. So we can see how we begin this chapter with some 
poetic kind I mean, of don't talk. read that if you're like ready for a nap oh yeah right for sure it's just i don't know <laughs> yeah might not put good thoughts in your head before you go to sleep because well, it's got it's a there's mind a lot numbing of, yeah. to me it just i just don't understand so much of it mm, mm-hmm. that it just makes me want to like okay forget it i don't know what's going on so yeah <laughs> we begin with a kind of a little poetic piece Verses 1 through 3, we're going to end with a little poetic piece in verse 17. And then in the middle, we've got this really strange uh, direction from God for Zechariah to do. And there are things here to do. These are called sign actions. We've already seen one Mm -hmm. before uh, when we were in Zechariah back in chapter 6, what he was supposed to do in front of some people and to make crowns. And they were going to then be able to look at those crowns. Well, these are the other two sign actions, both in this chapter, that Zechariah himself is called to do. Because that's how it sounds in verse 4. Become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Uh, and then in verse seven, he says, so I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to uh, be slaughtered. What exactly did that look like? I don't know, but it sounds very, he's doing something in order for his oracle to be displayed to the people. And then the second one comes in verse 15, whenever God says, take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. I mean, he's going to be a sign. He's going to be a clear sign to those who are looking at him. Uh, of shepherding or bad shepherding uh, in this case. So this is what he's called to do. He's going to apply this. So these are sign actions. Ezekiel has his own, Isaiah has his own, others. Here, uh, as you started reading in verses 1 through 3, the first thing we started hearing about were bad leaders. That's really what these, I think that's how these particular Uh, symbolism all this symbolism (laughs) is supposed to be seen right it's a bunch of trees oaks of Bashan cedars of Lebanon these are things that are used in various places in scripture to talk about powerful people these are uh, uh, more than once talk about powerful people and how powerful they are well but they're not powerful before the Lord he's able to cut such trees down no matter how burn them to the ground amazing the cedars are yep they can be taken down yep exactly so that's what they're like he also likens them he also pulls out the word shepherd in verse 3 the sound of the wail of the shepherds for their glory is ruined and then he also brings out the idea of lions. They're like, um, there's the sound of the roar of the lions for the thicket of Jordan is ruined. So that's all these pictures of mighty people, people with power, authority, who are looked at uh, as being pride. somebody, the pride that comes pride. with that. God's going to put on into all of that. Mm-hmm. That's what we're getting in verses one through three. So we're just started out. We've just started out with that. It's, a, being it's on the pretty front. dismal. Yes. Uh, pretty ugly yeah. uh, sounding. This is what's coming. This kind of devastation. Well, then we get to verse four and he's and Zechariah is told to become a shepherd of the flock that's doomed to slaughter. Mm-hmm. So this group of people, whoever they are, the group of people to flock, which we certainly think they're represent in general, the people of Israel, yeah. not their leaders. Their leaders are the ones who are not doing what they should do. Mm-hmm. But whatever this flock is, he's supposed to 
take on the countenance of a shepherd who would be uh, shepherding the ones that are doomed to slaughter. So there's a bunch of sheep that aren't being taken care of. Certainly they're going to be put to slaughter and they shouldn't be. Um, you're going to act like you're going to act in the stead of the shepherd who's shepherding them. Verse five. So those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord. I've become rich and their own shepherds have no pity on them. So that's, that's why they're, you know, we can see how they're doomed to slaughter because that's the way, that's the way their shepherds are treating them. Source of income. Just well, I, doing yeah. And want. I'm finally, I mean, I'm starting to see if we talk about shepherds, I, I see why he's using that metaphor. Shepherds are shepherding sheep, but they're, they're going to be slaughtered yeah. at some point. They're, well, they're going to, they ultimately they will be, the sheep will be slaughtered, but right. I think, but, but we're talking about people. Yes. And that these leaders, whether they're from the nation of Israel Mm-hmm. or for these other nations are coming in they're just using the people yes. for their own um selfish gain yeah whatever, whatever it might be, be where whether it's money or power or position mm-hmm. whatever it is so they're even being willing to sell them to other shepherds right and um yes not caring really about the sheep right exactly i think you're exactly right and and so we see that these words that they're saying, like in verse five, when they sell these sheep, blessed be the Lord, they say, I've become rich. Well, that's an ironic statement because that's never how a shepherd should feel when he is treating his sheep badly and then turning around and blessing the Lord because he's getting rich off treating his sheep badly. That's a, you know, crazy statement. And yet I'm sure many people have made that kind of statement in the past. You do something evil, you put a lot of money in your pocket, you turn around and give the Lord a prayer of thanks. Oh my goodness. I don't how, think that's how hard terrible for us to it, picture. To imagine I mean, that it happens that today. Yes. Because it does happen. All the time. <laughs> and even exactly. with our religious leaders. Yes. We think well, every time I put $20,000 in my bank account, it has to be a great blessing from the Lord, the right? Lord. Yes, right. praise the Lord. No, it doesn't. A lot of times it's not. You've not necessarily, right. and it doesn't mean you, you've because acted rightly. Because if we are rightly. not treating our people well. Yes. And guiding them and leading, mm-hmm. then we're not getting rich right. the right way. So, verse 6 I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of four. I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So they're all going. There's going to be great judgment brought upon them because of how the leaders have acted and treated uh, the flock. So I became... Now Zechariah is talking again. I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. Um, just to say a little note about that, it could be that by the sheep traders at the end of that statement in first, first part of verse 7 could really be read particularly the oppressed sheep particularly right. the oppressed of the flock. Right, and so, that's a perfectly legitimate you'll, um, reading of that. Mm-hmm. The NIV, I believe, has that mm-hmm. instead yep. of what the uh, ESV has. ESV, so it's just a little bit hard to translate that. 
Yeah, we wanted to throw that in there just because you may be, you know, both of these are very legitimate translations and they have good things uh, to say and are done well, but uh, they are different in this piece. And so we wanted you to understand that could be, could easily be that. And I've it got, changes the meaning of the sentence a little bit. Just a so. little bit. Kind of puts more emphasis on the shepherding of those sheep rather than um, the fact that those sheep have bad sheep traders over them mm-hmm. right now. So, and I took two staffs, one I named Favor, and Which the... It's really the same word as Grace. Grace, yep, same. The other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. So, he's got two staffs with him, and out he goes to tend the flock. In one month, I destroyed the three shepherds, but okay, I became impatient it, with and them. And if you start reading the... The commentaries on that, you're going to be like oh my goodness. lost forever because they're trying to figure out who these three shepherds are. Yes, and and that this is where we were saying a while ago, this is the kind of thing we're going to get enmeshed in if we're doing allowing trying to allow history to tell us what's behind every detail of the text. Whereas if we allow Jesus to show us what's going on in the text, we're going to be able to come out with a much clearer idea of the centrality of what's going on. Um, What's going on in Zechariah's day, frankly, uh, we have no idea. We don't even know if it was Zechariah. We have very little information about what was really happening in uh, Jerusalem during that time. During this time. It's just up in the air. There's so We don't know exactly what time it is. There's no way to know. People will tell you 9 through 14. Boy, there's lot of wiggle room for where when exactly what year exactly that was written in and so what might have been going on what it's all speculation so these three shepherds if you try and get behind the three shepherds you're going to wind up going down that but what we do know is it's apocalyptic literature yep and numbers are very important yep and when we have three yep i think it means a complete number of shepherds that yes if I was going to put anything behind those three shepherds, I would say, as has been posited by some, maybe kings, prophets, and priests. Yeah. Um, like, that maybe those are the ones that he is putting on the sideline. Right? Yeah, three types of the three major types of leaders. Uh, he put those aside because they weren't doing right. But I became impatient with them. In other words, the flock. After he now he has control of them, he, he's impatient with them, and they also detested me. They didn't want me being their shepherd. Oh, my goodness. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What's to die? Let it die. What's to be destroyed? Let it be destroyed. And let those, yep. (laughs) Let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. So, hey, you don't want me? Fine. I'm going my way. Whatever happens, happens. So, and I took my staff favor and broke it. So he breaks his staff, his one of the two, the one called Grace. He breaks it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the people. So it was annulled on that day. And the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. So they're watching him and they, whoa, they're, hey, God is at work here. Um, it seems obvious to him that God is at work through this somehow. And then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. Now we get into the really interesting part. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. And then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, 
the lordly price at which I was priced by them. That's probably ironic as well, although we can't be a hundred percent sure. It's it could also have been a legitimate price for doing some shepherding. Maybe who knows? We're uh, we're not sure exactly how that worked for this, but the irony of it seems clear. The lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. What all that means, there's a lot of speculation behind what that might mean, but it gets applied directly to Jesus in Matthew 27, right. verse uh, verse nine. Matthew 27 nine takes this very verse and passage and says, "This is fulfilled in what happened to Jesus." So Matthew's reading along here, and he goes, "Oh, there it is. That's exactly when." Uh, Judas was paid thirty pieces of silver. Eyes popping open and going, oh, yeah. I've seen this. Yes, I've seen this movie before. Exactly, yeah. because we have a shepherd who's come to shepherd a flock that's had bad shepherds over it, and so right. he dismisses the bad shepherds and, and then starts shepherding shepherd, the flock. And he's, they don't want him. And they don't want him. And then they don't want him. And so he's like, well, okay, then at least just pay me my wages. I'll be out of your way. And the thing that they used to pay him is thirty pieces of silver, which then the Lord tells him to throw into the house of the Lord, the temple, to the potter slash former or smelter fashioner. Right. That's there what was, that word would be. There was somebody in the temple who actually did that with the coins that were given to them, right? Right. He melted them down and yes, would melt them down. Um, would put. Excess into clay jars or whatever until they had some use for it, and then you could break the ceramic, and you'd have nothing but a piece of silver there or a piece of gold there or whatever you could work with. So、um, that was known to happen. And then, but they would also take that silver, that gold, or whatever, and shape it into maybe little idols, little figurines, little things, little calves. Who knows that they might call Yahweh, just like we see happening in other parts of the Old Testament. But this would be、uh, that this person would actually work in the temple, inside came to work inside the temple, doing things like this. So、um, these thirty pieces are supposed to be thrown into the temple. Well, we find out in Matthew twenty-seven verse five that that's exactly what Judas did with his money, with the thirty pieces of silver. He threw them into the temple. He was very upset at the time. He didn't want to be apparently part of this anymore, and threw it. Back to those who paid him the first time, but it says he threw it into the temple at him. So, this is being fulfilled in Jesus's life, and Matthew can't help but say, "Oh, this has got to be Jesus." So then I broke my second staff in verse fourteen: union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So God's people now are disunited.、Mm-hmm. That's the、yes. idea. Because、no. when we, I mean, I read something that was talking about when we, when the, the grace was broken. It naturally followed that the unity would be broken.、Uh, yes, if there's no more grace, then surely unity won't last.、Right. There's no way for unity to last. Absolutely.、Mm-hmm. So now, grace and unity, both staffs are broken. This was a gr- good shepherd who had two big pieces of wood with him. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yep, and、uh, and、funny. has been rejected, and thirty pieces、grace、of silver,、unity. and yeah,、okay. grace and unity. Are now broken by the rejection, and then the Lord said to me, "Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd." Now you've done this; you've tried the good shepherd way; you've been rejected. 
So now again, take the equipment of a foolish shepherd before behold I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy but devours the flesh of the fat ones tearing off even their hooves may the woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts the flock may the sword strike his arm and his right eye and let his arm be wholly withered and his right eye utterly blinded this foolish shepherd who is God is raising up again yep. of a good shepherd. Yeah. He doesn't care for the for the shepherd the sheep. Yeah. He doesn't care if they're hurt, if they're mm-hmm. sick, if they're small. Yep. And sure enough, after Jesus, we had again bad shepherds leading Israel's people right up until its destruction in AD 70. Jesus comes, he is the very picture of what a good shepherd should be and would be, and yet they reject him. And then after he's rejected again, foolish shepherds are raised up. So Zechariah here is playing out the whole scene. From the beginning, bad shepherds, gonna get rid of them, be a good shepherd, but then the good shepherd gets rejected. And so he, you know, shows that somehow in his display of his oracle and then he takes again the equipment of a bad shepherd and acts in a bad shepherd way because that's what's going to happen after the good shepherd goes out of the picture so it winds up being this perfect description of what's happening with jesus right down to the details of 30 pieces of silver and then being thrown back into the temple i mean it's just yeah the mention of the potter (laughs) slash former yeah Absolutely. All of these things. And so Matthew cannot help. I believe Matthew and the other apostles cannot help but read this now and just go. I mean, they may have had trouble with it before. Maybe the Jews had trouble interpreting this too. Who knows? But in Jesus's day, but now he reads it with Jesus in mind, just like Jesus has told him to do. And he, he says, oh, yeah, no, well, that makes perfect sense. I absolutely get it now. Absolutely. This is Jesus. And I'm even, he takes this little quote here to say, fulfilled. This is fulfilled. This shepherd can't, he's powerless now. He's got a withered arm and a blind eye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now the shepherd's powerless. He can take aim at his um, enemies. He's completely disabled. Yeah, the shepherd in 17 is completely disabled now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. So... The picture is is clear. What's interesting to me about this one thing is that the sheep, you know, actual sheep don't have any, uh, I don't think they have any say. They don't say, well, <laughs> we reject you, shepherd. Right. You know. Right. But, so it's obvious we're talking about people. Right. We have the responsibility. We've got a choice. Mm-hmm. And this chapter seems to be all about that. Yeah. There is a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And he's come to take care of us mm-hmm. and protect us. Yeah. We have the choice. And if we reject him, mm-hmm. we will be given over to the bad shepherds yeah. that are out there. The world is full of um, lions and that's right, fire and all kinds of things waiting to devour us. Yes. And we will be given over to that. Yes. I totally agree. I think also those two uh, staffs are very interesting. Yeah. 
yeah yeah the very fact that he has two pieces of wood and and it gets you know there's a there's a connection it seems like to something in ezekiel chapter 37 verse 15 and following where ezekiel is told to take two sticks and then he's gonna put them together uh and to show what god wants to do for his people is to unify aren't there some places in the psalms where it talks about two staffs um I, I didn't look that up before we started talking, so not right off the top of my head, but it could I'll be have to go do your little research. The very idea, though, that that's that it's more than one place is just interesting, and it's for the you know this idea that God wants to work with His people, He wants to reunite them, He wants to yes. keep them, you know. So really strong imagery, uh, and again, just like Gina said, you'll read through chapter eleven at first and be like, "What in the world?" Have I just read? I don't even I really, understand the first time I read it, I told that. Eric I really didn't want to be on this podcast. But, <laughs> but now I see it really is beautiful. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so we could we could cry all day long, like Gina said, and debate and cry all day long about what in the world is the original setting behind this text. But Jesus has said very clearly, if you want to understand the word, I'm the way to do it. You have to look through he me. He is the way. And sure enough, we come to Zechariah chapter 11, which we're going to see again in Zechariah chapter 12. Uh, and and when we put Jesus in it, it's got meaning. Now, all of a sudden, it's got great meaning. So, well, this is great chapter. Hope you get into it a little bit uh, and, and look through the lens of Jesus. You'll really see some beautiful, beautiful stuff in there. Uh, God is being glorified through all of his word all the time. We pray that your lives are glorified as you get more... Um, Uh, that he's glorified, I should say, in your lives more and more as you get into his word and stay in his word. Just let it work its way through you in every way. He wants to build you up with it all the time. Don't come to it being critical. Come to it and just let him pour into you. Oh, yes, for sure. You'll be blessed. Well, God bless you all. Uh, We hope you're having a great weekend and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you.